and we're back for Seat Vendors Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Seat Vendors Partner Joe Hamilton, along with the founder, Dave Chittister. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Joe. Today's topic is crowdfunding and angel investing as it relates to crowdfunding. There's a lot of confusion around the word crowdfunding, so let's start with defining what exactly is crowdfunding. Well, technically, crowdfunding is raising capital through a collective effort of a number of people. Thus the name, crowdfunding. But it's a lot more complicated than that. And if you do some research, and I'm always looking on the internet for what's new and what people are saying, if you do some research on crowdfunding, 50% or more of the time, you're going to find information that is absolutely positively not correct. Information from what you would think would be reliable sources. And you know, I know from my experience in, in the last seven years of doing this, that this is completely wrong. So you can't really do research without making sure you're really, really using reliable sources. So let's start by saying there are three types of crowdfunding, and this might help everybody clarify everything. There are three types, donation-based crowdfunding, reward-based crowdfunding, and equity crowdfunding. So on donation-based crowdfunding, that's the most famous site, of course, is GoFundMe. And everybody, I think, has heard of GoFundMe. It's 100% donations. Kids or people or adults, anybody can go on there and, and request money for school or a trip or a car or a funeral. And it's really, really successful. They've raised $9 billion, basically, for people. They're completely donations. And I saw a meme the other day. It was a, it was a kid mowing a lawn. And it said, the caption was, this is me growing up. This was my GoFundMe account. So on GoFundMe, of course, everything's donation. There's no promise of work or anything like that. It's just strictly a donation. All right. And I just want to be clear there. What you're saying is originally you can't trust everything you read on the internet. <laughs> uh, no, especially Facebook. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to some of the other types of crowdfunding. Well, the second type is, and these are no particular order, except the second type is reward-based crowdfunding. And everybody's heard of Kickstarter or Indiegogo in particular. What happens in reward-based crowdfunding, that the people supplying the funds, the crowd, gets a product. It could be a t-shirt, it could be a coffee mug, it could be a trial or initial issue of a product or something like that. So it's not an investment. Make it clear, reward-based crowdfunding is not an investment in the company. That would be the third type of crowdfunding called equity investment, and we'll get to that. But reward-based crowdfunding is not an investment in the company. One of the most famous stories out of that, when Kickstarter ran a program for uh, the Oculus Rift, this was in 2012, and it was actually before equity crowdfunding was even legal, but they ran a Kickstarter program, and people who donated $25,000 or gave them $25,000 got a t-shirt, $25 for a t-shirt. $275 got them a t-shirt plus an unassembled prototype of the Oculus Rift. They got 9,500 people to send them money. They raised $2.4 million. It was 10 times the amount they were asking for, but it really took off. Well, 18 months later, in 2014, Facebook acquired Oculus for $3 billion. $3 billion. A $300 investment, a $300 investment, if that had been an investment, but $300 in 18 months became worth $20,000 had it been an investment. That's a 66X, what we would call 66X in, in terms of in 18 months getting 66 times your money. But it wasn't an equity investment. It was a reward-based, they got a T-shirt. That led to a, a T-shirt. I've seen a, memes on T-shirts says, 
I backed a Kickstarter project and all I got was this lousy <laughs> t-shirt. And uh, hitting the delete button real quick, you said it was $25 for the t-shirt, not $25,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, $25. So that might have been okay. <laughs> and so with equity crowdfunding, it just so happens you're a pioneer in equity crowdfunding. So let's talk about that. On April 5th, 2012, the Congress passed the JOBS Act. The JOBS stands for Jumpstarting Our Business Startups. Now, I started a number of companies myself, and I know how difficult it is to raise capital to start a company. Basically, you have to know somebody to raise the capital. So I looked at the JOBS Act, and I thought, this could be big, because what it did was allow outside people to join in the investment in your company. So previously, that was illegal. But previously, after 1930, based on the scams and things that went on during the Roaring Twenties, and people lost a lot of money, the SEC said you have to have a previous business relationship in order to invest in a startup, or someone who's starting a company needs to have a previous business relationship in order to solicit funds. So that kind of limits you pretty much to people you know or people you know that know somebody. But you couldn't go out and just do what's called general solicitation to try to find people to invest in your company. So after that passage in the Jobs Act of April 2012, the SEC did not like that. The SEC says, well, wait a minute, you're expecting us, Congress is expecting us to allow people that don't know anybody to invest in companies without us vetting the company or determining whether this company is really legitimate. It's just a startup. So they dragged their feet. But finally, on September 23rd, 2013, a year and a half later, the SEC issued the first rules on the JOBS Act. It's called Title II. There are four parts of the JOBS Act. Title I is just basic background, but Title II was the first effective part of the JOBS Act. That became effective on September 23rd, 2013. And we'll talk a little bit about Title II and how that affects investment in, in startups. So on September 23rd, 2013, I also, on the same day, formed Florida Funders. Well, you could say I didn't waste a day. Basically, my goal was to use crowdfunding to make equity investments in startups. So Florida funders became quite successful. I'm not managing day-to-day anymore, but uh, last week, I'm still an equity holder. Last week, Florida funders invested, the crowd on Florida funders invested $1.6 in one investment from the crowd. So let's go a little, deep, a little deeper into how equity investing actually works with the JOBS Act. Sure. As I said, there are three operable sections of the JOBS Act, and they're called Title II, Title III, and Title IV. Title I is, is just basic background. It's not an effective or operating portion of the JOBS Act. So previously, as I said, startup was who you knew. You had to know somebody with money to get startup investment. And that was done through what's called a private placement. That private placement was used with the, the regs of the, the SEC regulations it's called Reg D-506B. That was the way things had been done. Reg D-506B for with people that you had a previous business relationship with. Title II changed that significantly. Title II added what's called Reg D-506C. And under Reg D-506C, startups, entrepreneurs, can now do what's called general solicitation. They can advertise on the internet. They could put it on billboards. They can just do anything to try to get people that they don't know, that did not have a relationship with them, to invest in their company. This is the first time in almost 100 years that now people that did not have a connection to a startup could actually invest in a startup. The biggest qualification, however, is that the investor must be an accredited investor. And as I said before, an accredited investor is someone who has a net worth of over $1 million, not counting their personal residence 
or has an income for the past two years of $200,000 or a joint income with a spouse of $300,000. So under Title II, it only applied to accredited investors, but it did open up the floodgates for companies looking for capital. And all that capital came in. Is that angel investing? Yes, actually it is. Basically, what happened is now individuals could invest in startups that maybe they didn't know about before because these startups weren't allowed to advertise. They weren't allowed to go out and solicit funds. So there are quite a few websites that have facilitated this. That includes AngelList, Funders Club, Crowdfunder, WeFunder, Fundable, and of course, my favorite, Florida Funders. So these websites all essentially do crowdfunding and angels and investors can invest through these websites in, in all kinds of different deals. Now, every one of those websites is different. Some do a lot of due diligence and put companies up for funding. Some have extensive information, but not necessarily any due diligence, and you still have to do your own due diligence. Some charge fees. They could charge the investor fees to join. They can charge companies' fees to list their company for funding. Uh, and some just list companies. All they do is charge the company, and the company lists themselves, and then the angel investors have to go find the information and go contact the company to make an investment. But it did create extensive opportunities that were previously not available before Title II of the Jobs Act. But all these opportunities in these websites, this is all just for accredited investors, right? Actually, no. This brings us to the next part of the Jobs Act, which is Title III. Title III was passed in spring of 2016, four years after the original Jobs Act was passed by Congress. So the SEC implemented Title III spring of 2016, and that is called Reg CF for crowdfunding. This finally allows non-accredited investors to invest. Now, there were a lot of restrictions on Title III and Reg CF that resulted from Title III. These restrictions mean companies could only raise $1 million a year. Investors were limited as to the amounts they would invest. Even accredited investors were limited on the amount they could invest in these deals. The offer had to go through a, a new entity called a funding portal, a brand new SEC type of entity that had to be approved and registered with the SEC and a member of FINRA. So it was highly regulated. They required audits. The companies had to have audits. And basically, all the investors, individual investors, were stockholders in the company and names on the cap table. These details and this attempt to protect the general public from fraud really resulted in so much detail and so much paperwork that Reg 2 really, Reg 3, I'm sorry, Title 3 really didn't take off that well. So it sounds like these restrictions had a pretty big impact on the use of Reg 3, or excuse me, Title 3. Uh, yes, they did. In fact, in the first two and a half years after Title 3 and Reg CF was passed, only just over $100 million was actually raised on this, which they were mostly very small deals, and the professionals avoided these deals. So it was, it was again, mostly going to be your smaller investor, but the professionals avoided anything that was coming through Reg CF. So... What happened was the SEC really expected this, I think, to be a disaster. That, you know, the public was going to get ripped off. These companies were going to go bankrupt. And so after two and a half years, actually, it wasn't. It was limping along, but due to those heavy restrictions, it really didn't take off the way it should have, the way that was anticipated. So in November 2020, the SEC revised the rules. They basically raised the amount a company could invest to $5 million from $1 million. They eased audit requirements. They put no limit on the amount that accredited investors could invest through Reg CF. They basically eased the restrictions on non-accredited investors of how much money they could invest. And most importantly, what happened is the changed rules allow 
what's called a special purpose investment vehicle to be formed. As I said before, the previous rule said every investor had to be an investor and on the cap table of the company. This resulted in thousands, potentially thousands of individuals on a company's cap table. Professional investors coming along after that were really leery of seeing that many people involved on, in a company's cap table. And that would have prevented, has prevented a lot of companies from raising additional capital. So what the SEC did said, we'll allow now a special purpose investment vehicle or SPV to be formed, which allows multiple people to invest in an SPV and that SVP then invests in the company. So there's one investor, even though there's multiple investors. That's similar to the way, exactly the way we do things at Florida, at seed funders. And I think you mentioned one more operational piece of the Jobs Act, Title IV. Yes. Uh, Title IV took an old, rarely used regulation called Reg A and updated it and called it Reg A+. And I mean, as in Regulation A, not Reg A music, but Regulation A became Reg A+. It became effective on June 19th, 2015. So it actually beat Title III by a few months in getting implemented. What Title IV does is allows a mini IPO, or Reg A+, which came out of Title IV, allows a mini IPO, basically, rather than going public, a company can raise a lot of money and test the waters and basically raise enough money to determine whether or not at some point in the future they want to do an IPO. As, as you may know, IPOs are really expensive to launch. So this allowed another way for companies to raise funds. They could raise up to $50 million in a mini IPO under Reg A+. And they can also raise money from unaccredited investors. There's no audit. There's two tiers. There's no audit in tier one, but it does require an SEC approval. But the SEC has promised to accelerate the approval on the Reg A plus deals. The biggest difference, however, is state blue sky laws. Previously, under the original Reg A, every state had the right to review a submittal for funding. So if a company's raising money, and if you're anywhere near the internet, you're really in all 50 states. So basically, under the old Reg A, every state would have to review your submittal to determine whether they approve you to raise funds. That obviously was a deal killer, and Reg A plus was almost never used, rarely if ever used. Well, the way that the rules came about with Reg A plus is they formed one entity that can review on behalf of all states. This really accelerated the Reg A plus and allowed people to start to raise a lot of money really quick. It's basically another way for investors to participate in equity startup investing. Companies and websites that are participating in Reg A plus deals include Seed Invest, Start Engine, and Next Seed, among others. And with that upgrade uh, and taking away the uh, state uh, review, has Title IV been successful? Yes, it has. But really, buyer beware. It's almost like buying stock in a public company, but it's a startup. It's a high-risk startup. The key difference is it's not liquid. When you buy stock on a stock exchange in a public company, you can then sell it the next day. When you buy stock in a Reg A plus deal, it's not liquid. You might never get your money back. So there's a huge difference there between the actual stock market, public companies, and these private companies through Reg A plus. Some risks we previously discussed also that besides not being liquid, you could lose all your money. But it does create opportunities for everyone that did not have an, a way to invest in these companies before. It just didn't exist. So now a lot of people can invest in a lot of these startups. That's great. 
you know, just this morning, I saw a, actually a reggae offer on Facebook, advertised on Facebook, a company called Nightscope. It's basically security robots. And uh, they're previously crowdfunded through Reg A Plus over $40 million. They're now raising another $25 million, and they have almost 6,000 investors in this round. The thing is, the valuation is $447 million. Now, the company has about $10 million in revenue, but basically, in financial terms, for a company that has $10 million in revenue to be valued at $447 million is basically nuts. It's pretty ridiculous, but they're raising millions and millions of dollars on Reg A+. But, you know, it's an opportunity for folks who previously restricted from participating in participating in deals like this. And it's totally up to the individuals whether or not they want to participate. Wonderful. It's a lot of information. Any closing thoughts, specifically something that will take my mind off of security robots so I don't have nightmares? <laughs> in the past eight years, we've seen a lot of what's called the democratization of capital, where people can use their money to do things they could not have done. Companies can raise money from people that they never could have raised money for. So that's really incredible. It all started with the Jobs Act. Investing in startups now is, is easier than ever. As I said, I've always said the best way is to join an angel group. There are a lot of these websites that have a lot out there. And if somebody's into that, that's what they can do. But really, you have to pick what suits you best. I think joining a, an angel group is better than other methods. But there are these other methods out there. There's websites. There's Reg A+. There's Title II. There's Reg 506C. There's Reg CF. So amongst all these things, there's a multiple number of ways that people can invest in startups that did not exist eight short years ago. Wonderful. I vote for Seed Funders, seedfunders.com. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Joe.